Welcome back to another episode of What About Dat? My name's Adair, and with the help of my friend Jen, we'll be going over Supergirl episode 221, Resist. So sit back, relax, and ask yourself, hey, what about that? All right, so let's get into this synopsis. You know what I'm saying, guys? Cat Grant returns. Yes. Supergirl, starring Melissa Benoist, grapples with whether or not to obey the president, guest starring Linda Carter's orders regarding Rhea, guest starring Terry Hatcher's latest actions. Meanwhile, Cat Grant, Callista Flockhart, returns to National City. Millicent Shelton directed the episode, written by Jessica Quirier and Derek Simmons. All right, let's get started. Yes. What do you think about this episode there, Jen? There were a lot of moving pieces. The, there were a lot of small groups happening at one time. The pacing was rather fast. And I have to ask the question, why did we have such a Jimmy-centric episode when we really, really needed that time to develop and create this story, like develop so we could have a more, more setup for this episode? Because I felt like it, overall it needed more setup. Yeah, it was kind of ridiculous that we got this kind of out of the blue last minute Guardian storyline and then he didn't really have anything to do with this episode and it kind of wasted our time. Like this 221 could have been split into two episodes and it should have been. even. Yeah, because it felt like the finale or it felt like that moment where you're like, oh, this is finale feeling awesome, but like we're busy with the Guardian. I don't know. I, I yeah. don't think we needed it. I felt like last week's episode, unless the episode is leading into your finale, then I felt that all that extra Jimmy storyline was unnecessary, and we should have really just... We should have set, done a lot more to set this up into this episode because what happens is we start at the end of the last episode to 20 the Guardian-centric episode, we see a bunch of ships kind of, like, infiltrating. And to me, it looked like sperm going through, going towards the womb, uh, but infiltrating Earth. <laughs> and I know, terrible visual right there. But, um, yeah, we start right into the action, and we all these characters are just everywhere. And I don't, I don't mind starting in the action. I like being able to put together moving pieces, and I like to being able, as a viewer, to fi- um, figuring out what's going on in an episode, but I just felt that this episode really needed a lot more support, and because of that, we did have some fast pacing. One more thing about that, I just felt that there were scenes where I really felt like this episode, which really, really surprised me, had a lot less talking in it. Like, there was plenty of um, dialogue for Cat Grant, but there was a lot less dial. There was a lot of that dialogue missing to me between characters. It was like as if all these characters were arriving together and they all kind of like understood what was going on, but we never really saw that happening in the actual episode. So to me, a lot of dialogue was missing. A lot of conversations were missing. And instead, I felt like we had a lot of moving set kind of like characters we love to watch kind of moving across the screen, doing a lot of action, you know, shots, posing with guns and stuff. But these important conversations between the characters that are supposed to be at the end of the finale where you're supposed to have some kind of gathering of what their whole season has been about for the characters didn't really amass. And I was just wondering why there was such a lack of 
important dialogue missing from scenes. Completely makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did you feel that way? No, I did. I did. Because, yeah, like you said, there was a lot of action. That I think the best description is all, all the actors, all the players were moving across the board consistently, constantly, and there was no moments of just, like, actual dialogue. I mean, besides Rhea and the president and Cat Grant, they got to pontificate all day, which is great. Don't act, you know, we love it. Brenda Strong, all them. That was a, yeah. That should have been its own issue because I would have been here for it all day. Um, I think that there could have been that should have been an episode three though. Connections, more um, talking about yeah. it. Now, let's get into these, some of these characters and just really kind of break down what they had because it was so many pieces. So much moving parts. So much, so many pieces, so much action, but so little dialogue and actual conflict. Yeah. It, it's kind of easy to get through these characters. Yeah. And I loved, the, I kind of love the fact that there was more action. We're always saying we want the, the actors to actually have more intent, have more action, and not just rely on crappy writing. Because let's be honest, people, Supergirl has crappy writing. So <laughs> I actually appreciate, it does. I really appreciate. If I listened to our podcast and I was a writer, I'd cry. <laughs> as they should. They should cry themselves into another writing class and learn how to properly give us a show that's not full of bullshit. So my thing is, I'm okay with them not speaking as much because that means we're not getting crappy dialogue and we actually get to watch the actors that we love do their damn jobs and actually bring this show to life. We got to see Supergirl being Supergirl, Lena being a badass, uh, you know, Alex being a badass, Brenda Strong being just bad. <laughs> like, I love it, you know? And they didn't have to say much because those actors already understand the characters. It's the fact that the writers are giving them shitty dialogue, which makes us crazy. So I appreciate this episode because it featured no writers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> But I felt like I needed the reaction, the verbal reaction to, like, just any verbal reaction to what was happening around them other than, um, you know, the action. And yeah. I felt like it wasn't – I was just missing Well, you know what's yeah. funny? It's kind of like not damned if you do, damned if you don't, but it's kind of like when we get an episode full of action that we love, unfortunately, those scripts need more dialogue to make the action more grandiose. Or we'll get an episode with a bunch of writing and it's just a bunch of babbling bullshit with no action and nothing. And it's like, okay, can we find a happy medium, CW writers? A balance. <laughs> a, right. balance a balance. As as Raya says. <laughs> I just, I couldn't, every time I, I'm just, I didn't want to talk about these two, but I want to use this as an example. I do want to talk about them um, later in the podcast. But just every time I saw Lena on screen with Manal, I just felt like there were so many words between them not said. And yes. I really just wanted to hear every single word they had to say to each other. And what little bits we got, mm -hmm. I just, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. But that's a very huge example of words not said. Yes, know? yes, yes, yes. Okay, so let's get to the first kind of small cluster of people that we love are our favorite everybody's favorite uh dc gays uh <laughs> sanders it's true um i loved okay besides the fact that alex is my bae everybody knows i love me some alex i loved maggie in this on the sole fact that a she was kind of being a badass also she had like two of the cutest like moments to me well not, maybe not even cutest but like I liked it. She brought it up. She brought up the fact that them 
fighting at this moment is the same time that, like, they met with President Carter. Or I keep calling her yeah, President Carter, yeah. knowing that's not her damn name. L- Linda Carter. No, yeah. but y'all know who we're talking about. I'm going to call her President Carter. So, <laughs> I, the president. The pre- lady president. Um, madam. Ma- madam, oh, yes. And so I love the fact that she's like, hey, we met during the last time we were saving the president. This is kind of full circle for us. High five. Like, you know, <laughs> that was like so. Relationship goals. Yeah, relationship goals. I also loved the fact that Alex is like, don't worry, I got my best agent with me. And it's her girlfriend. It's like, And she like, Maggie goes jumping down into the DEO behind her. I love that as well. Just bad assery. Hashtag goals. You know, I feel like if you'd set this up in the third episode, I keep griping on this, but I felt like I really was robbed of... Those I was looking forward to Maggie with the shotgun moments. And we got just Oon. seeing her. I wanted to see them fight some like, you know, they kept ripping off all of all these great sagas like Star Wars and mm. Independence Day. I wanted to see the street fighting happening a little yes. bit more. I wanted a Hunger Game Labyrinth. Still that one. If you're gonna still street fight, still that one. But um, I wanted to see them as like, you know, clearing streets zombie style. And I felt like I got one shot of Maggie shooting her gun didn't get the gratification of her actually shooting Daxmites. And um, I wanted to see more of that street struggle Maggie had getting to the DEO because that would have been badass. Absolutely. And that's something you could have seen in a, if you'd given this a third episode just to, like, set mm-hmm. it up. You know, like, what is the situation in the streets? I see blowing up, but I don't see the main characters in the action, and that's really what was, um, I think, lacking. It was seen. a bummer because, to me... I would have loved that, having Maggie get there and you see the struggle. So when she sees Alex and she's like, oh, my God, you made it, you know, there is urgency. Oh, I was going to say, there's the, you could actually have added Jimmy to that and it could have been a great Maggie-Jimmy street fight. I would have loved to have seen that. Absolutely. The thing is, with Supergirl, once again, they are not putting the production and the money towards the show. Arrow, Flash, they have so much. Oh, and Legends of Tomorrow have way better, let me repeat that again, way better choreography, their fight choreographer. It can't be the same guy unless he's being run ragged by the time he gets to Supergirl because it's shitty. Like, the choreography is just not good. It looks fake. I don't know if it's the actors who can't move, but I doubt it. They can sing, they can dance. I'm sure they're good with choreography. The thing is, they don't put these action sequences that we want in there because the choreography's crap, you know? It would have been fake blowing up and, uh, you know, stunt guys flying this way and going that way, as opposed to, like, real... Like, Arrow has really fun choreography where you believe they're fighting. You know, Legends of Tomorrow, same thing. Of of course, you know, um, what's-her-name who plays uh, Sarah Lance is, like, a parkour, you know, martial artist already, so that helps. But still, the choreography is there. Supergirl, it's not. It all looks like high school combat class. I didn't. I didn't need to see fighting. I just see, see Ma- Maggie shooting her shotgun a little bit. Well, more. no. I mean, it's you know I mean? the thing is, it's all still choreography. Part of the the choreography in order to get through the zombies or you know the Daxamites, you got to move and sway. There were no. You're not able to jump over a car. Guardian doing his stuff. They just don't have the budget or the time, I guess, or the caring to do it. Um, I loved the idea. I would have loved the idea of seeing um, more DEO fights. There were so many cuts and edits in that thing where Alex is trying to escape that I was like, 
what the fuck is going on? Like, I, it looked like also, can we just say, the Daxamites appearing looked like putties on Power Rangers showing up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's funny because I, I thought that one of the worst effects of the show um, was the projector of Raya in the sky. Oh, that looks so bad. I'm not going to lie. There's like Zordon. Also. With the putties, there's, there's Zordon. Or, <laughs> she's Rita Repulsa. Or, or no, Rita Repulsa. Yeah, actually, she looks exactly like the. She's Rita Repulsa, guys. That is and high. she has Larry's. putties for henchmen. Um, but no, I agree with you. And that was one of the notes I wrote down was that how one of the problems with this episode was transitionally how convenient all the bad guys seem to find the good guys. Like the um, Daxamite showing up at the DEO. Uh, Rhea just knowing exact coordinates, how to shoot the the, the airplane out of space, mm-hmm. you know, just baddies showing up for the sake of being bad. And like, you know, Kako, uh, the Daxamites beaming in, they have the ability to beam in anywhere. They don't even need your coordinates. They don't even need to know where you are. That's what I'm saying. That's the thing. It's like, are they beaming individually or are, is the ship that she's on beaming them wherever? How are they getting these, like, like even if you are beaming, I get that. I watched a lot of Star Trek, but even if you are, you always need that, like, you need to know where you're going on the other side. Yeah. Exactly. You need to know where you're going you to, or you end up in a wall. system. Yeah, exactly. Or you'll end up in a wall. And not every human being has a Google map attached to them. Not everybody's a pin drop. Exactly. Well, also, can we just talk about the fact that they're in the DEO, which is lined with lead? They're allergic to lead, so can they just be in a lead box and nothing's wrong with the Daxmites? Or does it have to enter their body like an allergy? Like, can we get that description? Also, she didn't blow up the, the, um, the plane using her ship. She was using Superman. We got the reveal at the end, but it was Superman's eye beams that blew up that ship. So let's just, you know. That really clarified that. I did not. I had no idea. Because that's why it came out of nowhere. But if you look at the beam, it's the same color as the eye. um, I had no idea. As a laser sight. Well, that's what one of the reveals about. It was kind of a clue that Superman was going to be all at the end. But that's besides the point. All right. Okay. Cat Let's, Grant. Oh, y'all. Can I, I want to talk about Alex. I didn't get oh, to what, what's going on with Alex? Maggie. Yeah. Okay. So I thought, once again, this actress just brings it. Doesn't matter what show she's on. Nope. But um, she, I really love the scene between and the dramatic conflict between her and Kara in this episode. I thought she had one fabulous scene where she embraces Kara before they go their separate way mm-hmm. on their separate missions. And I just thought that actress did such a a brilliant job of bringing the emotion to the scene. You could see it in her eyes. She cries. And, you know, when you're working on a set, you know that that scene was really short and just two people, and it was shot probably over the span of maybe three, four hours. And it just has to come out of nowhere, this emotion from nowhere, and, and you do it cold every time. I just look at that, and I'm like, oh, she did such a great job the with one, that the, acting. Yeah, the one thing I love about Kyler Lee, and she said this in an interview, I cannot remember which one, but... She said that that is the easiest part of her acting is when she needs to get emotional, which I love. As actors, it's sometimes really hard to instantaneously hit the deep emotions, but she says that's her favorite part. So she's always going to be good at crying or like having, you know, really going there. And because she loves Melissa Benoist so much and them as individuals, it will always be easier for her to worry or feel like, oh my gosh, I'm really scared for her, which I loved. I do like that conversation that they have, Alex and Kara, where she was like, 
if it was Maggie, That's the same scene. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it is. But like, if it was Maggie, what would you do? And then I like the follow up that Alex delivers or Kyler delivers, where mm-hmm. she goes, you know what? I'm not gonna lie. I I was just trying to put on a brave face and be like Papa Space John Daddy. But if it was me, I would do everything in heaven or earth to get her back. So I love the fact that she did not dismiss Kara necessarily. Like she did her job. She said it as a DEO agent, you know, do what you got to do. Let's just do it. But then as a sister came back and was like, you know what? I would, I would have, you know, and, I think and, 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 you know, this, this has been kind of something that they've been in contention with all season mm-hmm. where they've had a couple of situations where, where it was, you know, my, my a relationship with the person versus my professional job. Exactly. And this is, Exa- another example of which when like Maggie um, Alex chose to go looking for Jeremiah you know against the wishes of the DEO a couple episodes back this kind of reminded me of like the flip of that Kara choosing to go after her friends and boyfriend over you know her her duty so it's kind of like Alex and Kara both this season had to choose duty or you know loved ones and actually I wrote that down as the note of the overall theme for this episode the whole overall theme for the finale is not about what you do it's about who you love so it's not about your duty it's not about who you what you do for you know a living or what you are it's about who you love and I think that is what the whole message of the finale was and I felt like that really in that scene, we really got that. And I actually thought there were two foreshadowing things about Alex in, in this episode. Mm. Two g- little tiny giveaways that I just want to point out. The first being when Maggie and Alex first re- reunite and Maggie ta- sa- says, you know, I should have known to look for you in a bar. Yeah, the, but like yeah she goes, I would have known that in a crisis, the first place we'd both go was a bar. <laughs> right. And that's a funny joke, but it's also a question, you know, we've, you and I have speculated off, off the mic about Alex possibly, you know, moving into season three and them using this idea of this alcoholic Alex as a storyline and going in that direction when she is stressed out, she drinks. It's been a comedic thing this season, but you know, that could have been a clue. And that was a little egg I pulled up on Alex moving into her storyline in season three. Possibly. And the other thing I thought, because in passing it seems great now, but they might develop it yeah. um, further along. And we've been suspect, we've been speculating that the, this is definitely a storyline that they would develop. The second thing that I picked up about Alex was the idea that she, oh, I forgot it. Just like slipped off uh, to get back to you. Oh no! <laughs> back to you, I Alex, had in the it studio. In my brain, so <laughs> <laughs> I had it ready, locked and loaded, and now I just can't remember. You know what? what? I actually also like the fact that when Alex jumps off the building. Okay, can we just real quick discuss <laughs> that now? Supergirl's just lifting everybody and their mama. She's just like, carrying. oh, I love that. <laughs> they open the floodgates with the, <laughs> the bridal carry. You know, I don't mind it. I'm actually, not I put swoop. I put the swoop. I call it the swoop. And it's basically... The jump and swoop. got it. The, the Supergirl swoop. And you know what? I, call, I If that's what season three is, I'm here for it. <laughs> you know what I love is that 
like I said, Alex is like so trusting in her sister. She's like, we're getting mm-hmm. overrun. I got to get out. She's like, get out, get out. She's like, I'm coming off the roof. Like, she doesn't even say it. She's like, I'm coming out. <laughs> and she knows where she's headed. <laughs> like, you know, she knows it's about to be the roof. And what I love. That's going to drive me crazy. I can't remember my other point. <laughs> oh, you'll make it. Um, but it's so great that she jumps off the roof and is just like, you know, d- diving. She's like, here we go. She's going to be there in five, four, and like gets captured. Oh, yeah. That was a, that was a Resident Evil moment. Yeah. Like that, that was strict. That was a shot straight out of Resident Evil. She even has the short red hair. Ain't nobody She's mad. Straight, we're just taking from big blockbuster movies and we're going to put together this medley of, of, of shots. A clue you know when someone doesn't really know how to write a show is they just rip off everybody else's stuff and call it uh, nostalgia. <laughs> well, they didn't even do that. They had Wynn throw in that little line about, oh, it's all Independence Day outside. It's almost like the writers were like, oh, we know we're recreating Independence Day and we're just going to say it because you guys are yeah, probably going to all call us on it. Pretty much. Yeah. And it's like, womp, womp, like, get your shit together. You know, once again. Well, it's, you know what it is? You have a very specific world. The DC universe is fucking huge. It is. You don't need to go looking outside of, uh, uh, into other universes, Star Wars, Independence Day. You don't need to go looking anywhere else but DC because that world is so rich and so large, you know, and you don't need to confuse your audience with those visuals. You, there are some very specific things in the DC universe. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, you were right. <laughs> yeah. You're it's right. like having it's like having the land of Oz and being like, I think I need to bring some Narnia in here. You know, it's like what is <laughs> what what is this? You're like, it's so, fan fiction. It, exactly. That's exactly what it is. You're like, okay, fan fiction. <laughs> it's like visual fan fiction. For the most part, yeah, which is super annoying. Um, I'm over here, uh, guys, so we're cracking up because, um, right now I'm in New York and, I mean, I'm in California and Jim's in New York. And so we are doing this for y'all because we love you and we love to talk about it, but my phone's about to die and I'm trying to find my charger. That's <laughs> okay. If, if your phone dies, it'll just be the gen about that. Jen about that. Oh my God, I gotta find my charger. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's okay. You, you, you do you. I'll, I'm going to move on to my next note. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so... The next group of pairing that we were going to discuss tonight would be... I'm just going to go straight to her, Cat Grant, and her return to this show. And I feel like Cat Grant fulfills a role that Liza, Eliza, or Supergirl's mother is supposed to fill. Yeah, Liza. Who, but she's never around enough to fill it. It's like... She feels this, like, she's the mother to Kara, and this mother figure returns, and she, to me, was kind of like the string that strung the episode together, where she did three, she was, she had the best dialogue, and she had the strongest scenes, and she did three, to me, three specific parts of the show that she was involved in. So the first part is her, her, her grand finale entrance you know return to the show yeah we see her and she's on the airplane with the president and she's just there because apparently she knows the president and she's flying towards the chaos with the president which makes no sense because if things were to really go down 
<laughs> they would put like the president underneath the ground, probably about six stories deep down. So it makes zero sense why you would have a president flying towards an alien ship, but who cares? And Cat Grant has hitched a ride. And not only she hitched a ride, but the president has gotten into a fight with Queen Rhea or Regent Rhea. We'll get into that in a second. And they've got into a verbal kind of like a diva off. I, ca- I called this whole section a diva off. And it was it was just like, it was kind of like one of those moments where you're like at the Grammys and Beyonce starts to sing a song. And then she pulls, she's like, and now I got my guest star. And then it's like freaking Katy Perry. And then right after that, it's like Missy Elliott. It was like one of those moments where you just keep having like, guest coming onto the stage. We were like and dead was serious because that is hilarious. Like it really was like a diva <laughs> welcome to the stage. It was like divas. There used to be a show called divas. <laughs> That's weird. And it was, it was, no, it was a show called divas and they used to, it was in the nineties and you'd have like Celine Dion and Christina, whatever. Christina um, yeah, come on. And they'd all like hold the same note forever. Um, anyway, so this moment was the, such a big moment because we have the president and Rhea and they're kind of like in a bitch off and cat cat grabs like come ladies we we don't need to fight over how big we our vaginas are and she has a little speech about the future being female which was excellent a gratuitous scene entirely written for the sake to me like the the writers got the note that the fans were shouting about the show's lack or moving away from its feminist protagonist. Absolutely. And so they're like, bam, we got these three queens. Let's put them on and let's give them a really big scene. And so we had kind of Rhea versus the president with Cat Grat mediating. And it was just hilarious. It was just like so much... So much. It was, it like, was just so much. It was like, it was like a, t- a timeout. It was like a, a Twix, t- a Kit Kat timeout break for the... Um, for this moment, it was like, excuse us while we have this scene. It doesn't really help the story, but we just want to see these ladies act. And just and pretty much, they were like, let's see them act. <laughs> like, let's just right, like right. let them live their best right. life. And we were all down for it, even though like so we we're kind of annoyed. The Rhea, you know, she's she's not having it, and you know, she gets called out, and she's just like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm going to blow up that airplane. And she does. You know, she exp- she completely blows the shit out of the airplane. And Supergirl knows Rhea's not kidding around. She's the only one who senses that, and she goes chasing after that plane. And rather than saving the president, I just want to say Supergirl saved Cat Grant. <laughs> well, I don't think she... <laughs> that was our first swoop. Well, I mean... We didn't know where she was, you know what I'm saying? But um, well, let's go we back. We get the big reveal. Yeah, with Kat, I loved even her kind of uh, relationship with Wynn. I thought it was very cute. She calls him Winslow, you know, that kind of thing. And I didn't even know his full name was Winslow until she said that. I didn't know that. And I love it. And the thing is, I've, I Wikipedia'd Wynn's name, and it wasn't even Winslow on Wikipedia. Just saying. Well, yeah. Um, I really loved, anyways. I loved that idea of um, her... Being kind of like he he became her lackey or like her cameraman like he's kind of fascinated by her being a badass like a little puppy dog a little bit yeah. and I love when she finishes a speech he's like classic like you know <laughs> you know it, it was kind of mm-hmm. cheesy but I, I appreciate well, I it. felt like 
I felt like that was another moment where there was a conversation that didn't happen where it's like she hasn't seen Wynn in a while and he's suddenly a DEO agent and exactly. she just is accepting the fact that he works there. But I think she so knows that, that he's the, smarter than that. She knows a lot more than we do. So I think she was just like, that makes sense. And then like moved on about it. <laughs> See, they that's the thing. They keep wanting us to think the characters know more than they do, but it's not implied. And, and then we get zero acknowledgments. So exactly. there was that. So then Kat, she, the next time we see her, she's in the alien bar and everyone's kind of in a state of chaos because, uh, you know, the president gives the orders to uh, blow up Rhea's uh, spaceship and she directly orders Alex to do so, you know, and Kat's there and she's kind of, you know, She's putting herself into the action. You know, she wants to be this distraction. Well, the thing is, you got to remember, and this is what didn't get really brought up and people seem to forget. Cat Grant knows, (laughs) you know, the president. She knows her as a college friend, not just like as an alien or a president. They're cool. So I think part of me doesn't think that Cat's necessarily going in there like, let's all be badasses. She's actually backing up her homegirl. Well, I just felt like that like, was so rushed and so convenient where she's just like, they give her a whole huge giant backstory that's meant to be comedic, but it's just also kind of like one of those convenient. Well, yeah, because why would you think she's things. on? Why would you think she would be on the um, Air right. Force One? You know what I'm saying? That was a hard sell. I, I let it go because <laughs> it's Cat Grant and the way they've made her and they've written her is that she's the human who has zero anything but tends to have everything. She knows how to talk to politicians and stars and celebrities. She's the face of the nation talking national city, like Cat Grant, like I, a I reporter. Keep, I keep seeing so, her like 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 a white lady version of Oprah. That's all I I don't she's, know. She's Oprah, she's the white lady Oprah. So, or like the straight Ellen, depending on where you're at. You know, or I'm like a devil wears Prada. That's who she reminds me of. Is um, oh yeah, she's like Miranda, except like not a bitch, not or Miranda. not fully a bitch. Uh, yeah, from the devil's wears. That's, Pro- that's her name, oh, okay. Miranda. Okay, yeah, that's who <laughs> I thought the character was based off of. Um, you know, I also thought the convenient thing of this whole storyline, the, the thing that I'm just like, it's a win situation where it's so fucking convenient it's like come on people get your shit together was the random ass cannon on the fucking roof of the deo <laughs> that nobody knows about how even do, when didn't how, know that how do you like walk by that doesn't supergirl fly over that <laughs> you know no no it, it came out of the ground it oh, came out of the building oh, it came it out wasn't of the building. it's not visible. yeah it was wasn't like visible. army swiss knife this building <laughs> well no that's why um alex had to get break in to even use it because or not break in but she had to like climb in to even use it because it was like in some remote ass like star wars like tiny <laughs> room thing right it was just like giant cam cannon nobody knew about can we talk about the fact that they gave the order to alex and she has this is the only okay i'm this is the only time i've never liked kyler's acting and i think it's because the moment was written so poorly that even she couldn't pull it off um when the cannon explodes, the first thing she goes is, like, covers her mouth and is like, oh, the cannon, it's gone. And, like, 
I couldn't even buy it from Kyler. And y'all know how much I love her. But, like, I couldn't even, like, that was the worst line reading I've that ever heard. Because bullshit. The, that it cannon, was just so that bad. That cannon would take me a second to figure out how to use. Can I just say no. how quickly she figured that out? Well, no. I mean, I'm sure she, once again, she is a scientist and a, a military person. She gets it. But my gripe about it is that she, um, the emotion that she didn't have bothered me. Not just that the cannon exploded, which, okay, I saw the shock that the cannon exploded. I did not see the shock that the cannon, the way to defeat these bitches, exploded. Like, first it'd be like, oh my god, the cannon exploded. And then the realization that I just fucked everybody because I could not make a decision, I didn't see that on her face. Because it wasn't like she didn't know how to use the cannon or whatever. She was hesitating. In her uh, own, well, you know, and I didn't see that turmoil like, oh, my God, this is gone because of me. Oh, my God, we might have just lost this because of me being too sensitive or whatever, which, mind you, understandable. It's her sister. You don't want to blow your sister up. But, like, I missed that that emotion, and therefore that line sounded stupid. <laughs> I felt I felt like <clears throat> this whole canon business made me really question the motive of the president. I still don't believe she's a nice alien like, we had the reveal that she was an alien, which is fucking huge, right? I still yeah. don't believe she's a nice alien. I think she's up to something. And I think, personally, that she had to have the Daxamites removed for whatever she was planning. And I just thought, like, they gave her a really good reason why she would want to blow up all the Daxamites. Because, clearly, they're a threat. And she's experienced they kill her family she's, she's experienced and all that But, like, I also think she's up to something and manipulating still. So, it's like... That whole storyline with Cat Grant and her being kind of like this throwaway, amusing Cat Grant monologue, I also felt like that just needed to be built up a little bit more. And I, I, I just had to keep asking myself this throughout the thing was like, why does the president want to kill Daxamites? You know, like because of a line before that, she said that her people were pacifist aliens. You know what I mean? And even if you are. From a re- even if you're a refugee and you've suffered, if you're a pacifist, you don't want violence at all. So then her killing those Daxamites to me seemed to contradict that. And so I just thought, like, to me, that gave me reason to suspect that the president might be the big bad in the next episode. Well, I think that it's a matter of you could have it be from a pacifist planet, but then if something so terrible happens it might change your view. That's literally the whole idea of the Luthers in general. You know, people are waiting for so many bad things to happen to Lena to turn her evil. So if that's the case, or she's a little bit more jaded, that can happen to anybody. Same with in the one episode with Roulette, they found the dead alien in the trunk, and and Kara goes, they're like the most like wonderful planet. They don't even have arguments But that one alien happened to be in freaking cage fighting. You know what I'm saying? Because he was forced there. Now, I get what you're saying. And I think what would make sense is that the president is going to be more like Lillian than anything. I think she's the opposite version of Lillian, where she is an alien. Her family has been destroyed by other aliens. So that might show a little bit of self-hate to other aliens or to herself, but she might be so hurt from being a refugee that she almost goes to the extreme of like, I'm going to make sure the country I protect is going to be 
overprotected and that we're going to get rid of every threat and which might blind her, making her a villain or very dark later. I also saw in the episode another reason to suspect her was that she checked in on purpose with the Martian Manhunter. She was like, oh, he's still unconscious. And when she had like a moment where she was checking in on him, it's like, why even have that character check in on him if he's not important to what she's about to do? He might have the ability to read her mind and understand that she's not great. So to me, her checking in, to me, her checking on him and me having that line was like something of a foreshadowing that she's up to something. And also, I think the fact that they teased her as much as they did, and for her to be a pacifist alien, we already knew, the audience knew she was an alien already. It was everybody else discovering this information. So I just felt like, I felt like that storyline isn't over. You know this is true. And I also think yeah. that she's going to be the bad guy. Yeah, I, I think her checking in on Jean is mainly because... The way they've set it up since the beginning is that Jean has a huge respect for the president, and she also respected him. And so I think, not that they're friends, but I think she knows he's important. And being the only Martian left, because Magan's not really a green Martian, he is the actual only green Martian left, she's checking on him as, you know, if he dies, he goes extinct. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's going to be a moment where she's going to go, yeah, is he okay? What's going on? What's happening? You know, and I think that's part of her presidential, because you got to remember, she's coming from being a refugee. The Martian Manhunter is a refugee. You know, I think they do have a connection that's not as seedy as it might seem. I'm just saying, I'm just saying <clears throat> she's, she's very suspect to me because why even have her teased as long as she was? If she's just going to be a friendly alien like all the other Oh, no, no. Aliens. I think she's going to be completely a hot mess. I think that she probably, like I said, I don't think she's, she's going to be like a Lena type where it's like, she's good, but is she? No. <laughs> you know, she's, or she was good or she has other political, she's also a politician. You know what I'm saying? She's the president. So I'm sure there are other things that she has there, I think there's just too it. much like of Kara... She's been saying it too. She's like, I'm so glad I voted for that woman. You know, just stuff like that. That's going, oh, they're yeah. going to live to regret. The next grouping of people I just really want to bring up was my favorite, Lillian Luther. I think I just love Luther's. That's the truth. Yeah. Is. I thought Lillian was like, oh my God so amazing in this episode <laughs> oh yeah it was pretty strong it was, I, no it was just like all her barbs were just like so well placed and timed like she just from the moment she rolled into the bar and oh. you know like he, uh, somebody's like hands above your head you know as soon as they see her and she just looks at them for a hot second and she's like no <laughs> and then the way she's just like i don't know where jeremiah is yeah very she's very she's flippant like, oh. in everything and yeah, i, I really do this. love the uh win and her dynamic where she goes or whatever happens and he goes you could have just said i told you so and she's like i did tell you so I like I, she's so dumb she's so <laughs> she's bitter there to, she's there to tell everyone she told them so well the thing is because in that moment even though you don't like her yeah she's right <laughs> like you know what she's she i went from not liking her as a, a mother figure for lena to really liking her and i just had to keep asking 
myself. Because if you remember, Lillian took something from Lex's lair, like some little box or thing. Mm-hmm. And I have to keep asking, what does Lillian really want? Because at this point, it seems like she's completely not redeemable. Like, I do not believe she was there to really pick up Lena. Nope, sure There's wasn't. something that she wants. <laughs> and I loved her way of going about it, which is we see this from Lillian all the time. She's like, the she does it so well, too. It's like she emotionally fucks with your head. I loved it how she had that moment with Kara. I loved every interaction with Lillian and Kara. I, I just loved it. Yeah. Um, uh, I love that little moment between Lily and Kara where she, you know, she plays to Kara's emotion. She's like, the love I feel for my daughter. And then that kind of, like, gets Kara to, like, go back to Lillian when she runs out of options mm-hmm. and go towards the uh, alien ship. So I just I just thought, I thought she, the actress did a great job of, of being so flippant and dry in the situation. I thought that she played really well off of Kara. I love their chemistry. Yeah. I love Kara's chemistry with Luther's. Yeah, no, it's freaking awesome. I love the fact that Brenda tended to be very, like, super manipulative. You know what's going to happen. You know there's, like, she's She's plotting and planning. I love the fact that even Kara, like, did an eye roll where she's like, well, at least you're consistent. Like, she's not even, like, phased by the fact that she's that evil anymore. She's just, like, expecting it, you know? I love, right. I, like, I, I'm so sad. I was so sad for Lena. Can somebody hug that child, please? Because <laughs> when she goes, Mom, you came to get me, she's like, yeah, yeah. Like, shifty eyes. I came to get you. Yeah, It's kind of like the little step. I loved, I loved the line where they're, like, um... Where they're like, they got that Stargate machine or whatever it is to get onto the to the spaceship. Mm-hmm. And Kara's like, is this going to work? And then just Lillian doesn't say anything again. She just like looks at Kara. And then she's like, uh, <laughs> she's like, she's like, what if it doesn't work? And then she's like, then we'll be spending a lot of time in the Phantom Zone together. And she's <laughs> just so like- fucking dry about it. And I just like in my brain, imagine Kara Lillian and Hank Henshaw in the Phantom Zone, just like bored. Yes, I really want to. Can somebody please? I need like a meme of them being bored. Guys, can somebody please make fan art of like them in like a dark background? And I want to see the cartoon versions of like Lillian and Lena. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Lillian and Kara kind of like looking like they're about to kill each other. And poor cyborg Superman in the corner, just like crouched down, sad. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would they talk about forever in the Phantom Zone? They'd probably have to get real friendly. A hundred percent sure, cyborg Superman would try to kill both of them by the end of their <laughs> stay, because he's just like I, or he'll kill himself because he's like I can't do all this. <laughs> Shoot himself with his own eye beam. Exactly. <laughs> but that'd be great. Make it happen, y'all. Fan art. Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed the dynamic between Lillian and how she went about getting whatever it is she's going to get, because I think we'll have that reveal of a villain in the next episode, but I also think we're going to have that little treasure trove of whatever fucks Lillian Luther is going to do. Which she gives zero fucks, by the way, in this entire episode, which I love. I also, I, okay, guys. I, I love her teaming up. Yeah, I loved her teaming up. I loved her being the last, like, resource. Like, dang it, we got to go to the Luthers. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I loved even the fact of, like, I, you know what I want to see a little bit more of? I want to see Cyborg Superman getting annoyed with Lillian. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> he's the henchman, five by five. 
But I want to see him like be slightly like, bitch, if you tell me one more thing, we gonna have an issue. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I just I just feel like I feel like she's Rita and he's like Goldar, you know? Yes. <laughs> Kids. Kids out there. Rita Repulsor. Rita Repulsa and Goldar. Ladies and gentlemen, Jin just hit it on the nail. Head on the nail. Uh, <laughs> freaking cyborg Superman is Goldar. That is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and it's yeah. so true. I think they even sound the same. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, he has that kind of rough thing going on, just like Goldar. Yeah. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> he kind of reminds me a little bit of Data from Star Trek as well. But, it's like um, Data okay. meets Goldar. That's what cyborg yeah. Superman is. I thought Cat, Cat Grant's um, monologue to um, Kara. Was beautiful about happiness. It was, and I thought it really hit it on the head. I, I already mentioned this. I'll just reiterate: not about what you do; it's about who you love. That was the um, that was the message she had for Kara. Kara was really uh, conflicted. She didn't know if she should, you know, follow that again line of duty, sense of duty that she had to the president and to the world, or blow up her uh, best friend and girlfriend. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> the reverse. No, no. Hashtag super no, no, really, really, because it's like the two. I when when Cat Grant made that that the way she's the, her reasoning to me meant so much to that character, Kara. And I really, you know, we beg the writers a lot, but then they have these beautiful little moments, you know. And it's just like I can't hate that. I don't think I would think to write that, and I would well, really enjoy it. Always, I feel like it's one writer who's always like the the actual visionary, and all the crappy ones are like surrounding that one. Maybe person. they're the action <laughs> writers or the one liners, but like there is somebody who is doing really good work with monologues. And I really one of the things I I was surprised is sometimes when you listen to like dialogue. You hear like it's it's common to add extra stuttering. Like Cat Grant said, they 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 they, and then she added something after that. And to me, I th- when I hear that language on screen, when I hear those extra little just um, words added into a monologue, I think about it on the page and what it looks like and how you would get that as a writer. You would um, arrive to that, and you arrive to that by writing it and then saying it out loud a couple of times and making it sound as natural as possible. So what I really liked about that writing was how natural it sounded and how, and I loved the way Callista Flock, I loved her delivery. It was just so natural and it went into so many places, her intonation, her voice, you could see her thinking and you could see that she was in it and you could see how she just kind of got lines that would have been cheesy or big and she just, she gave them so subtly and so smoothly and I really... I loved all the work that actress did, Calista Flockhart, in preparing for that monologue. And to me, that is the difference between great acting and acting. And I feel like when you have that language there and it's on the page, it's easier to, when it, good language is there, it's easy to deliver it. But also, you could tell she took that monologue and she took it probably line by line and just played with it. And I felt like she was playing with it on the screen. And I bet you she's the kind of actress who would just like, shows up with something different every take and I, I think that's great. Um well you also gotta remember that she has children and so she's already a mom. So she knows how to talk to her kid when they're bummed out. You know, this is the th- reason why Kyler is so good in these real tender loving moments because they already have that accessibility. You know? She already is a mom and takes Supergirl slash Kara in that wing and 
you know, talks to her in that regard. And I think that's great. Um, as far as like the speech content, I'm a little of the mindset that it, sometimes I love a lot of the speeches that happen on Supergirl, but then I think about it and I'm like, but does that, would that work in real life? Cause I'm one of those people, you know, we imit art imitates life, blah, blah, blah. My thing is she goes, it doesn't matter what you do. It's who you love. And I love the sentiment of that. But at the same time, not really a huge fan of that idea. Because What's the theme of the I feel finale? Like, well, it is. But I also wonder if that's setting up something to be more problematic. Mm. Because in our government, in our um, a doctor, in any of these things that have high-stake jobs, you cannot go with who you love, but what you do, you know, you have to go with what you do and who you love comes last. Hence why if a police uh, officer, somebody dies in their family, they're not allowed to do the crime scene or look, work on the case. They have to be taken off. So you can't be what you are. You, you know, you just have to deal with who you love. Doctors, they might go, it's my duty to keep this murderer alive, but he killed my friend. So, you know, once again, do you just avenge that person who you love or do you do your job this is what i'm talking about where i feel like they're setting up a conflict where it's gonna become a point where people are waiting for somebody to die i in the show like you know someone's gonna have to leave eventually i think it'd be absolutely brilliant writing if they take that theme of it's not you know what you do it's who you love which was very innocent and honest in that moment and then make that the conflict for supergirl where you've got to either save a bunch of people do your uh, do your duty or save like Jimmy or someone you love. But if you are safe and it's not like a matter of like one or two people or a few folks. No, you legitimately do not have an option to save both. It is either one or the other. And that I think would be a powerful conflict for Kara to deal with of I'm Supergirl. I want to save the world. But how can she deal or how will she handle having to choose someone she loves over the, the city she loves, over the world that she loves. I felt like what I really got a sense of is that, you know, Supergirl, she does all this stuff for people. She does all this saving of people. And she needs something that in her, that is going to keep her sane. You know, she needs to have... Basically, to me, it was like, you know, she's Supergirl and she saves everyone, but if she doesn't have those things that she specifically loves, then, you know, what's the point? You know, what's the point of of living if she... What's the point of doing what she's doing or can she do what she's doing if without, without those emotional places in her life? And I just, I just thought that for her, I thought that it made a lot of sense in the moment. Maybe it will bite her in the ass, but I just thought, like, you know, if Supergirl wasn't this loving person, she wouldn't be giving her time towards being the superhero. So she needs really a source of that in her life to do what she's doing, to be able to be this super being, you know? And it's it's almost like... So I really... I, I just I enjoyed the speech. I liked it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like the speech. I just, when I heard it, I said, that's great. On the other hand, I feel like that was a subtle way to, um, you know, lay some ground. 
lay Set some up. groundwork to something that's going to be a little bit more intriguing later. Monel and Lena, the, the couple to be. <laughs> oh, you have so many thoughts on this. It's gross. No, um, I think it's fun. <laughs> you want to like, boop, Ladies and gentlemen, boop. <laughs> that's, that's her thought. That's my there thought. it is. I think it's hilarious. I'm not going to lie. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the fact that they don't even disdain each other. They just, like, hate the whole situation. And they're, like, two teenage kids who are literally being arranged marriage going, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, I think it's yeah. great. Uh, I, uh, I love it. I think it was, it's it was it was It was so fucking stupid. Like, it was meant to be this dramatic thing, but it really wasn't. It was just, like, a giant fan. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me. Fangy. It's like an orgy, but a fangy. Oh, Jesus. It reminds me of the Flash crossover for the musical when Monel was with Iris, Flash's girlfriend, and everybody's like, ew, like, what is this bullshit? And it was it, funny because it was a dream or like, a, you know, it was magic. But the fact that this is really happening is even funnier because... They just have no chemistry. Well, And I can already... I love the way, like, Lena just does not tolerate him. She just doesn't. She senses it. I can sense it. She's she's just like, I'm over this entire thing. I'm over being used by fake mamas. I'm over this bullshit. Like, she's just ready to go home. So ready for home time. And can I just say, Dax and I, what the fuck do they wear to bed? Like, Lena straight up wakes up looking like she shopped or was dressed by an evil witch clothing from a Disney Disney movie. She looks like an evil witch out of a Disney movie. I mean, I can't. And not even. in a good way. You know what I don't want? And then like? that wedding dress. Bleh. Hilarious. <laughs> the more I looked at it, the more I thought it was like, oh. <laughs> you know that one girl who dresses in the straps and the chains at the club and thinks she looks really cute and everybody's like, what is she wearing? That's how I felt uh, Lena's, <laughs> Lena's dress was where it's like, whoever made it thought it was going to be the hot piece. And when you first see it, you're like, oh, that's cute. And then you get into the light and you get a lot closer and you're like, oh, that's rough. That is not. It's got this like really low bust line. And then there's like these wires that go over around the collar. And then she has this fucking retarded tiara. Or the shoulder pads, too. The football shoulder pads. And the shoulder pads. And then it just does nothing for her ass. I'm sorry. I mean, she doesn't really have an ass. But, like, it's even if she did have an ass, nothing was getting accomplished there. It just, it just, and then there, I just felt like it did not wear well on her. Like, I didn't love it at all. And I love her in red, so I don't even know what the problem was. We love her in most everything except for that damn dress. (laughs) That dress was just... Yeah. No, thank you, that dress. Uh, and then Manel in his Daxamite clothing. I just thought that was hilarious. It just, you know what I don't <laughs> like about Manel in this? Because actually, I was okay with Manel in this, but like, I don't, and overall, when he deals with his mother, I don't like the fact that he doesn't really have any sound of disdain. They give him lines where he's like, ugh, mother, you are terrible. But it doesn't sound like... But that's like, how he's delivering them. I know. That's what I'm saying. He's it just does, saying that exactly like that. Exactly. But it doesn't sound like... Like, Lena, she's like, F you. Like, she has a big old fuck you sound to all the lines she has in regards to Rhea. She's like, Can I, I'm not getting... She's like, oh, we ain't doing it. We ain't getting no air. You know, she got a little attitude. He's like, yes, mother, we'll do as you say. And it's like, how about you be like, ugh. Like, can we get... Dear Chris Wood... Can, can you act? Get an acting book. Get, can we please, please, dear God, just show more emotions than like, you know what he reminds me of? 
guys. He kind of reminds me of, um, Chris, what's his name? All right, all right, all right. Um, uh-oh. What's his name, guys? <laughs> okay, I, while you're thinking about it, I have something else. Oh, I'm going to lose um, my thought. Oh. Lena being my favorite part in this whole episode of this whole shitstorm of resistance. My favorite part was <laughs> there's a part where, like, Rhea pushes past Lena and Manel. She just, like, steps through them. And then Lena just is so extra. She's not even talking. She's just extra about it. But she put push, Rhea pushes past Lena and Manel. Manel just kind of shrugs off. And then Lena just like does this whole like thing where she just like she just uh, oh, Katie McGrath. Oh my god. Can you please with the picture and with the for this moment? Katie McGrath just does this thing with her shoulder, like, oh, you got me. And it's just so extra. It's not even I just, I had to, I watched it like twice and laughed every time. It was fucking hilarious. Uh, I figured out who I was trying to say Monel reminds me of. Um, Matthew McConaughey, like, but before he got good at acting. So, like, Matthew McConaughey was always in crappy C to B plus movies. I would say C movies, like The Treasure Hunter. That was a terrible movie. Anyways, uh... He would have those kind of really bad deliveries where he's like, all right, mm-hmm. Like, you know, and it made, no, it made no sense. With Chris, there is no disdain. There's no actual emotion in certain lines. If your mother, everybody out there who has a mama or a daddy, whoever's close to raising them, they have decided to kill your planet and your girlfriend and then try to make you marry... Some other girl who also, let's be honest, Monel's character doesn't really trust Lena. And that was kind of um, said in the Luther episode. Uh, you're trying to marry her. Then people are going to go, what the actual hell? You would have a lot of feelings about it, guys. <laughs> you would have a feeling of fear for your girlfriend, fear for your city, fear for your life, fear for the human next to you who you know your mom can snap her neck, you know, Anger, bitterness, Chris Woods. Dear Boo Boo, Sweet Pea, I love you, but I'm going to need you to get your fucking I shit don't. together. <laughs> I'm going to need, like, I like the actor. I mean, I'm sure he's fun. I like you when you're being cheeky. I like your one-liners. I think some of those might feel almost improv. He, that's the thing. But, he can only do one line. <laughs> but I'm going to need him to not be one note. You're killing me, he's dude. Good. He's got one line, one good line, and that's it. I don't even know what it is. Um, I just can I just say hurts. though the ultimate, the ultimate fuck you, and I can't wait for this. This is gonna be the best thing ever. The ultimate fuck you to Lena Luther is when she discovers she has a grandchild, half alien, half human. Oh, that's the most ridiculous um, concept that they could have thought of. <laughs> And We're not going to have them have sex. We're not going to give them any genetic materials. We're just going to get your hair and make some hair baby. Like, how fucked up is that? And then you wonder, maybe that's why Manel's a little defective, because somebody didn't use enough conditioner, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's missing a few strands of hair in his DNA. <laughs> um, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe this is the problem, guys. Uh, but you know what's crazy is that that's going to be hilarious. Also, I loved, so funny. I loved how Lena made him her bitch uh, because 
when they were trying to escape, she's like, break the glass. He's like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> you know, like, I like how he's just trying to fight, and then she just gets the gun, and it's like almost a mirror to the first time we meet Lena when she shoots Metello. She just shoots the Daxamite. I love that. She is a badass who was ready to get off the ship. Like, I don't think Lena really had any other intention in this episode other than I'm over this shit and I want off the ship. Like, she can give a crap less about Monel. She can give a crap less what happened to Supergirl. What she cares about is getting the hell off that ship and out of that ugly-ass oh, dress. <laughs> I'm not right. I was just thinking, when she gets to Earth, what is she going to do with that red wedding dress? <laughs> Where is she going to go when she gets off the ship? The whole place is under siege. Dress like that. They can easily Dressed. just beam her ass back to the ship with all their easy technology. I'm so confused. Right? She's going to get to Earth dressed in that dress, and then she's going to have to do the walk of shame to the Luther Tower, 56 floor, uh, <laughs> in that dress. Oh my. I, wanted to, I, wanted, I wanted to see the shoes that went with it. Um, <laughs> can I just say that moment when she takes her fucking DR off, and she's like, let me just fix this door right here, can and we? she uses it. Okay. Oh, my God. That is the stupidest thing. I love Lena. We love Lena. But we hate when win infiltrates Lena's brain <laughs> and makes her come up out of nowhere with some dumbass win <laughs> fixable moment. How did she know that the tiara was going to work? What Did she know what kind of metal she had in her hand? Was it made of metal? Did she figure that the current was strong enough and not just blow up shit? How did she know that alien language to open the door? I mean, come on. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, I do got this. She just like looks at Manel Man- like, yes, I'm the best. And I'm like, okay with that. Oh, and then were they like uh, that little conversation where they're like, oh, uh, did they mention Kara oh, yeah, or yeah. Supergirl? Because I they thought- said Kara for sure. They said Kara. I thought when I was like, that's why Kara loves you, and she's like, that's why she loves you. So she knows Kara's boyfriend Kara is an alien. Does she- have we figured that out? That no, no. Manel mentioned Kara in context to Lena. Yes, and, and then he. Um, Supergirl rolls in. She's like, Kara Danvers saved me. You know, and then like Manel mentions Supergirl. So it's like Manel mentioned Kara to Lena in context and Lena mentioned Kara back to him. He was like, that's why Kara loves you. And she's like, that's why Kara loves you. No, no, I know. And that's what I'm saying. So Lena knows that Kara's boyfriend is an alien. I think Lena knows that Kara's Supergirl. Probably too. But when even when Supergirl was there... There was no, they didn't shoot any kind of eye roll. There was no nothing. They just moved on straight to Manel the and, thing, and Supergirl. Manel never had any form of like DEO, like specific uniform. Sometimes he wore black, sometimes he wore a flannel. It it's just like when he shows up as Manel, Mike of the interns, I'm sure Lena knows exactly who he is because the glasses in. The glasses isn't that much of a disguise. And if, if Cat Grant can figure out Jimmy is a fucking guardian just by looking at the slit of his mask, I swear to God, Lena can figure out Supergirl is Supergirl. Well, the thing is, and somebody brought this up in another podcast, and I thought it was interesting because they're correct. You cannot, like, we have to set an amount of people who can figure it out that Supergirl is Supergirl. The whole point of the lore of Supergirl and Superman, which is cheesy and silly, but it's part of the story, is that it takes a messy hair and glasses to make you disappear in the crowd. That's part of the charm of Superman and Supergirl. 
So if everybody in this world starts figuring out she's Supergirl, you're going to lose the point of having Supergirl. Because then, because then Kara is never going to have a day off. She's never going to be able to be a reporter. Because everybody's like, but bitch, you're Supergirl. Like, no, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, but, you know, the thing is that's making this ridiculous is that everyone in the room knew except Lena. And I think that, I think that this is the buildup. Here's my thoughts. I think that Lena knows for sure. And it's going to be kind of like one of those, you remember that beautiful Sandverse moment mm-hmm. where, you know, like Maggie... Alex found out about Maggie cheating and brought it to her. And instead of having that World War II fight, they, she's just like, and you need to be able to come to me about these things. I think that we might get a really good moment between Lena and Kara. Plus, I mean, yeah, between me, and Car- Lena and Kara because I don't think she's going to overreact. And I actually wrote that as a note. I was like, why would Lena overreact? You know, like Supergirl came, in a spa- came to the spaceship to save her ass. And then saved her ass, you know, like, and then there was that moment where the camera like played tricks with the audience where it's like Supergirl rolls in and you see Manel smiling and then you see Lena in the background smiling and you think Lena's smiling at Supergirl just because the POV is of Supergirl. It's a POV shot where the camera's shooting into the face of Manel and Kate, um, I want to say Katie, but Lena. And so you get the Supergirl's POV. So you think that both of their smiles are at her. And then the camera switches and you see that Lillian's in the background. So there is a moment where I felt like they were playing with the audience right there. Oh, most definitely. And I think... They were playing with the audience a couple of times. Yes. And I also think it's really kind of fascinating that, um, you know, yeah, Supergirl saved her... And, you know, Monel and Kara had that moment of, we can't say that we know each other, but blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it's just... There was no reaction, though. I mean, I saw it, but it was just... It was what it was. Um, of, you know... Like, no, but, like, usually Lena's, like, like Supergirl, you know, like, she has, like, a little, <gasps> you know, and there was none of that. There was none of that I just wanted a little bit general. more of a reaction. I actually don't like the fact that Supergirl and Monel didn't hug, because if... Oh, well, I get it. I get it. No, I get it. Sorry, I was tripping because they were talking about Kara, so if Kara would have shown up, it would have been fine for an alien to hug her. Anyways, um, yeah, it's just, there was a lot going on that was cheesy, but to be quite honest, guys, I would love to see an episode with Lena and Monel. <laughs> it's like... I do, too. I really want to see Lena and Monel now, and I totally want to see Lena be like, just... Nah, man. Yeah, nah. because it's I, like, I want there to be conflict between them. It really does feel like he's the friend and she's like the one Supergirl's dating. And guys, this is not even a hashtag Supercorp thing. This is a full <laughs> idea of like the way they portray Kara and Lena feel more like a relationship. And Monel seems like the best friend who's like kind of silly, you know, around them because. Lena acts like, oh, God, I'm with you, Kara. I love you, but I can't stand your friends. But I'll stand your friends because I love you so much. That's what it reminds yeah. me of, you know? And I'm yeah. like, why is this so ass backwards in this show? <laughs> like, I absolutely love that. You and know? you know what? Here's the thing. I felt like they were setting it up for the future of season three. We we know Katie McGrath got bumped to, to, uh, Guys, to being a – Katie McGrath got pumped to being a full regular, right? Mm-hmm. So we know this about her. And we know that Rhea is probably going to peace out in the next episode, right? And we also know that Rhea, in 
this episode somehow got some genetic material and she's going to make a super baby, half human, half Luther. It's going to be great. And we also know that we might, we may or may not have Manel around next season to the extent that he has been in this season. But what I think is great is that we've been asking, you know, is Lena going to be the villainess of season three? Are they setting her up to be that way? And if they give her a kid, I don't think she will. And I think that'd be fascinating because one of the things they did in this episode was the threat they used to get Lena to marry Monel was blowing up the children's hospital. And we know she has all this baggage. So giving Lena like a kid to take care of, like a super kid, I think is now we know that her weakness is children, you know, and having children's damage, hospital fundraising. Uh, yeah. And and she's gonna want to protect this alien from probably Lillian Luther and maybe even Monel. You know, and this could totally drive her and Manel apart and drive Kara crazy. So I am all for it. And she's going to need another parent. And I'm going to say Kara's going to be the best super mom there can ever be. Guys, this actually is like hilarious because it's such like a cheesy version of what's going on on Pretty Little Liars right now with the whole Emerson baby drama where it's like Allison is pregnant, but she's using Emily's eggs and now there's an Emerson baby who the daddy and like they're like oh well I guess they're gonna have to raise this baby that was pretty much made out of rape Lena's you know, gonna, be, like gonna be ridiculous Lena's gonna be like Kara I need you to help me raise a child co-parent and Kara's gonna be like fuck yeah <laughs> Kara's gonna be like yeah. Hashtag Supercourt baby. Hashtag Emerson storyline. Hashtag some bullshit all it. around. I'm there for it. And then Monel will be like jealous because he'll be like, it needs to be a Daxamite baby. And then Lena will be like, fuck you. <laughs> there it is. That's that's I'm gonna write that as a fan. Pew 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 right predictions. Pew pew pew. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Pew pew pew. That's the sound of <laughs> you know. Joyous but ridiculous banter. Pew pew pew. I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, no, I just, I just, I look forward to that so much. Like Lillian being the craziest grandma of all time. That guys, could you imagine? But like, ooh, even more kind of cool. Could you imagine there being a Luther baby? And Lillian being pissed off, like, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. And then she sees the baby, and that's what changes Lillian's mind, where she's like, but this is one of us. And, like, she's all like, it's a Luther. It's a Luther. But then she. I bet you Lillian abducts it. Exactly. Oh, my God. And then she's like, I have a super grandchild. I'm going to make him hate himself and his people and then use him as a weapon. Kill, kill. <laughs> it's so stupid. And then Kara's going to be like, I was your mother slash the one who helps your mother raise you as a child. I can just, guys. And Cara, Cara has, like, a whole thing, too, because, like, her planet got blown up. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it's like she doesn't have any super babies. Like we said, the lost, the children of Lost City or whatever, the lost, City of Lost Children episode was about lost children, whether that be Monel, whether that be Lena and Cara, because they're all damaged from their mamas. So oh my God. what more damage just, can we get than a baby who nobody wanted <laughs> made by a woman who's cray-cray? <laughs> So if we know that the alien technology is so advanced, you know what? Lena and Kara could literally put their hairs together and have some bye-bye. Hashtag Supercorp fetus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> After Lena's first, first kid, they're going to have a second one. Make it happen, guys. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag Supercorp I didn't even, fetus. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. We, we were totally skipping the relationship and just going straight to family. Look, Bam. ain't nobody got time. Like I said, if we're going by Pretty Little Liar standards, Done and done. So, 
they will be cohabitating, my guess, is by the mid part of next season. It's absolutely ridiculous. Okay, guys. So Lena's going <laughs> to... It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. All right. So uh, honorable mentions. Let's talk about small things that we kind of were feeling. Anything you want to talk yes. about that you were like, yes and no? <laughs> I think that I really thought the budget went into the extras. There were a lot... The background artists. <laughs> You know, especially uh, one particular shout out to the police looking on the phone at Cat Grant's resistance, piece de la resistance speech. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was really, I felt like in the moment being moved to be more of a popo towards the Daxamites. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. We had money for an extra budget. It actually looked like there are people in National City, not just the same stunt people over and over and over again. So that was, yes. that was legit. <laughs> Um, I actually, okay guys, I really on a serious note loved the fact that we are getting more political. And now I know some people are like, blah, 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 politics, it's everywhere. Yeah, we live in a world where right now politics are super important, whether you like it or not. It's important to be informed, important to talk about it, whether it be Saturday Night Live or Supergirl or whatever. Because every time we try to escape it, it gets worse. So we should, you know, get over ourselves and pay attention. And I like the fact that once again, the title's called Resist. That's what's going on right now, guys, in America. Our theme song, if you will, for America is Resist. <laughs> you know, resist the bullshit. Resist, resist the, the fuck out of it. <laughs> yeah, resist the, you know, xenophobia, the homophobia, the, you know, all the hate. So I love the fact that they used it in this. You know, we're going to resist this wannabe dictator woman who's trying yeah. to take over our beliefs, who's trying to take over our way of life. You know, resist, you know, just doing it because it's, you know, Monel, it was a big kind of thing for him. Resist. Just because it's your mama doesn't mean you have to bow down like a little biatch, you know? How about you resist? Lena, just because you're strong and independent and wonderful, that doesn't mean you have to, like, uh, give in to this this mama drama that you she's kind of falling in. You can give someone the shoulder, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can still be a good person and not rely on your mama. Like, you resist that urge to fall into the darkness. Resist. I love it, guys. I love that Supergirl, even though it's cheesy, the writing's crappy, occasionally more so than not. <laughs> and we can talk about something so visceral and real and hard in this silly medium. It's a hard thing to talk about our politics and what's going on and the heartbreak and the anger and the confusion and, you know, on both sides, no matter what it is. Because, look, Supergirl... The good guys, I'm doing this in quote, the good guys, they have valid reasons. The bad guys have valid reasons. Each side has a valid reason, but we have to, you know, even in the show, they kind of show both sides might be there. You want to talk through it, you want to get through it, but we have to resist when it's going against the fabric of who we are and what we stand for. So I love the fact that they talk about that in this show. So kudos to Supergirl for keeping it light, but keeping it real. You know, and that's what comic books, that's the history of comic books. You know, people want to say in the comments and on all these reviews, stop making the show political. This is bullshit. It's a left wing, a right wing, a turkey leg. Like, this is bullshit. My thing is, guys, if you actually know comic books, Captain America is based off of our history and propaganda. You know, they have a whole thing where the Avengers go and kill Hitler. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's a whole whole decade of comic books sent to our soldiers because it got them through war, war one, 
World War II. You know, they talked about um, Vietnam. They talked about fighting all these evil dictators in the comic books. So for those of you who are out there bitching that the shows are too political, get over yourself, get your head out your ass, because that is actually the core of DC and Marvel comic books. They've been doing it before you were walking in diapers. So get over yourselves <laughs> and realize that this is so true to the comic books that it it's almost feels like ridiculous where, you know, it's so heavy handed comic, you know, uh, politically, but that's exactly what comics do. And they've been doing it for years. Hey guys. Okay. So, you know, we are talking our faces off and it's late cause we're doing a dual coast recording. Um, so yeah, you know, my last thoughts is I really love this. Sh- I love this episode. I thought it was like, yeah, I give it a B plus. It was funny. There were things that I love, things that I hate, but ultimately I was invested. Uh, Jen, how you feeling about that? Uh, absolutely give this thing a B plus, maybe, uh, yeah, B plus. Um, there were some great elements to it. There were a lot of elements I wish that had been more developed. Um, I can't wait to see the next episode. And my favorite thing was probably Lena in the Asami Soda cost- costume as it got gradually worse throughout the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. Okay, guys, so uh, thanks for listening. Um, if you guys have any comments, you know, feel free to let's talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Let's have this discussion. What are your thoughts on everything going on, where it's going, the characters? I would love to hear what you have to say. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at whatabout underscore dat. Also, I was going to say, if the, if you have a, a top five you'd like us to do, we have a few top fives going on videos. If you have a top five you'd like to see done, top five whatever, we will put that together. So let us know if you want us to recap anything about the season so far. Top five clothes, best actresses, top five best clothing, top five best moments, whatever you think we should recap. Please be sure to subscribe to us and if you click at the top of the box on our banner and if you want to put us in your ears you can listen to us all day all at your workspace or at the gym on itunes we are now available and live on itunes you can upload all our past podcasts all the this podcast right here is also available so you can just click at the top button and you will be directly linked uh yeah guys make sure i want to definitely see that um fan art cyborg superman and the phantom zone with lily and supergirl i would love to see that so make sure you send that to our twitter account all right guys have a great night and uh you know we'll see you next uh week so bye